Hello, everyone. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Wow. Um, it's good to see everybody here today. We're noticing there's a, uh, a few visitors with us today. Welcome, you guys. I'm glad you chose to worship with uh, Journey Church. And uh, I didn't want the worship part to end today. I'm not sure why that was, but it was, I'd have been just fine with sitting where I was and worshiping the Lord. <laughs> but uh, here we go. Um, you know, it's amazing the technology today, the, the band uses and things like that, but we also have a YouTube audience as well that watches at a later time, and I'm so grateful for that as well, uh, and welcome them uh, today as well. Um, really cool thing, uh, this week we've beginning to get a, a donation of Bibles in, so if you are without a Bible and uh, need a Bible and would like a Bible, we have them available for you. It's been uh, something that I always desire to have, that no matter what, the Word of God is available to you, and you can uh, have it at your disposal no matter what. So if you would like one of those, uh, you could stop by the uh, coffee cafe out, out the doors and pick up one of those free of charge. It's just uh, something we want to be able to give to you um, as well. So we're continuing in our growth series, our Growing Up series, we've been calling it, and I hope you've been enjoying that along the way. Um, last week, I want to thank Brian for stepping in for me. We had a full week last week, but then we were also able to get away for a couple days, uh, and it was really good. Uh, kind of hung out with some friends we love and just uh, really was a good distraction from all the stuff, you know, and just hanging out with uh, people we love. So I'm thankful for Brian that he uh, reminded us our goal uh, in growing up is looking like Jesus. And I hope you got that out of his message last week, uh, that if, if you're looking for a target, if you're looking how, what should I be when I grow up, uh, just start reading about Jesus and that's your goal. And I was grateful that he was able to do that. This week we're going to look a little bit about the evidence of growth uh, and what that looks like. Um, one of the things I thought of this week is how many of you guys, um, whether it was your children or grandchildren, whatever, do the pencil on the door case trick when you're measuring how tall your kids are, yeah? Everybody, you know what I'm talking about when you do that? You kind of put the pencil mark on there and you usually write their name and the date on there and then you kind of watch how your kids are growing and it's kind of a, a, a cool thing. I also uh, am um, really encouraged by the excitement that the kids go to the door case and they want to see how much they've grown since the last time they've measured, been measured, you know, that pencil line. Uh, we have a couple of young granddaughters and they're growing like crazy and uh, the last mark that was put on the door case of their home, uh, the, it almost started a little fight, you know, kind of thing because the little one now has surpassed the older one, not in full height, but in age height. So there's a little rivalry going. When I was eight, I was this tall, and you were only this tall, you know, kind of fun. And, but it's a way to measure growth. And uh, we're going to talk about our spiritual growth a little bit today and how we can um, measure that. Because as Christians, we want to kind of keep track of that. Uh, we want to kind of watch that. We want to kind of have our own pencil line, if you would say, uh, in watching how we're growing. So in the same way that kids just can't wait to see how much they've grown, I hope that's you. I really do. I hope you yearn for the, uh, the Spirit of God to be growing you 
and uh, getting you to that next step. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to kind of look at that this morning. But before we do that, let's, um, let's pray together and ask God to, to bless, okay? Uh, Lord God, we just thank you and look for you to grow us. Lord, from day one, from the day we come to know you to the day we uh, will be with you, we should be growing, and we will grow, and constantly being grown. So, Lord, we just uh, want you to help us understand where we need to be, and maybe this morning, Lord, just maybe just speak to us in your own way that is real, that it's, we know that it's you, that if there is an area we need to grow in or Maybe the evidence isn't even there that we are encouraged to uh, grow in your spirit. So, Lord, just thank you. Just thank you for being you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, growing up quick is one of the things that kind of went through my mind this week and talking about um, sometimes maybe you know a person like this. Maybe it was you that have been put in a situation that you had to grow up quick. You know, uh, it's amazing all of our lives and are, are so much different in many cases, but um, each of us probably know someone that the circumstances have been in their lives where they've been caused to grow up quick, if it wasn't you. Um, one of the most difficult things, though, is when a child is put in a position that they have to make adult decisions. Um, you know, that's just tough. You know, I see it so much in our culture these days is that we kind of force our kids to grow up a little too fast sometimes. Uh, and then there's the opposite end of that, right, on, on a spectrum, is that they don't grow up as fast as they maybe should. But growing um, from, like, um, adolescent stage to a, an adult stage is very important for us physically, but spiritually as well. You know, we can't stay spiritual babies. We talked about that over a couple weeks ago about staying uh, babies and how much of a danger that is and that we're expected to grow. But in this same way, sometimes um, the people are caused, it's just part of life. We have to grow up very quickly. And one of the things I thought about this week was a, a Bible example of some guys that had to grow up real quick. And that was the disciples of Jesus. Um, they were in a situation where they were left to grow up real quick. So... Um, Let's look at John 13 for a moment. Do you want to open your Bibles there? 13, uh, verse 33. Uh, if there's ever a time that some guys were called to grow up quick, it's these guys. Um, it would be, you know, when Jesus leaves, he dies, he's buried and resurrected. Um, he says, just before that, he says these things. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you. So approximately three years, Jesus has been teaching his followers, teaching his disciples how to grow up. He's been teaching them the things of the kingdom. He's been teaching them, uh, he's been showing them with many signs and wonders. Uh, and all of a sudden, he comes to them. It must have seemed suddenly. He comes to them with this thing saying, little children. And he, notice how he calls them little children. He says, little children, soon I'm leaving. And they must have been going, what? Leaving? 
he just got here. You know, we've been waiting for the Messiah and trying to figure this out, and we finally realize that you are the Messiah, and you are teacher, and you are king, and now you are leaving. So um, Jesus tells him he's about to depart, and then, of course, this had to be a, a major shock, of course. And then he goes through chapter 13 in the book of John and kind of really lays out how that's going to happen and some other things. But if that wasn't enough to bring anxiety into the group, um, <laughs> if that wasn't enough, listen to what he says in 14, verse 12. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works that he, uh, these he will do because I go to the Father. Seriously? Greater works than Jesus? But it was Jesus who said this. He's saying, greater works will you do than I, because I need to go to the Father. So it's obvious by reading of these following chapters and things of this nature, the, the disciples had no clue what he really meant by this. Uh, they, they figured it out uh, soon after Jesus um, you know, went to the cross, but up to that point, they were still kind of in a little bit of a confusion. It's, think about it for a minute. Most of the disciples, they figure, were about in their 20s. You know, these weren't 40, 50-year-old men that Jesus is leading the kingdom, uh, you know, work to be done to. Uh, these guys are like in their 20s, and I think about, man, what was I doing when I was 20? I wasn't doing Jesus stuff at all, you know? And um, maybe you can think about that. What were you doing when you were 20? But think about the idea of Jesus saying that greater works uh, will you do than I. That had to be a mind-blowing thing. And so when we're talking about growing up quick, these guys had to grow up quick. So how did they do it? Well, in John 14, 6, Jesus tells us how. He said, I will pray the Father. In other words, pray to God. And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Uh, Jesus wouldn't truly leave uh, his disciples without any help. That just wouldn't be Jesus, would it? Uh, he would leave them with the Spirit. Their growth would come, their rapid growth would come from the Spirit of God. Um, but they, they had to come, they had to get, grow, but it had to be through the Spirit. Uh, they wouldn't be able to do this thing on their own. Um, although they grew, had to grow out quick, they did receive the help. And the Spirit was their teacher, the Spirit was their guide. Uh, this is how they had to grow, and this is how they uh, did grow up. Could you imagine how this thing would have probably been uh, worked out if it not where the Spirit of God was with these guys? It probably been a big disaster uh, for sure. Just some guys out there on their own trying to remember what Jesus said and what he taught and trying to figure it out for themselves. But that wasn't the case. Much in the same way the first disciples were sent out into the world, uh, anyone who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ is sent out into the world much of the same way. It's almost the same call to do the same thing. Um, all we have to do is look around these days 
and see the, the world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus today, same way that the world needed Jesus in the disciples' day. So we're called to do the same, same thing. And so what my prayer is that all of us see that same urgency. Um, you know, the call to grow up. The idea that we need to get our stuff together as a Christian and because the world, in a sense, is depending on us to convey the same message that there was the disciples were conveying back in Jesus' day. Uh, so, did you know that um, spiritual growth can be measured? Did you know that? Do you ever think about that? Do you, have you ever kind of sat down and really thought that through in your own life? But in the same way, like we talked about the pencil being on the doorway, a little line on there with a the date, we can do that same thing spiritually as well. Um, there's evidence of our growth, and it's just uh, kind of digging in and figuring out what that can be. Uh, it can be marked, and it's marked by the, our conduct. Now, there are many ways that I could have uh, kind of brought up today and talked about um, spiritual growth. There's many ways to mark it or to see it. But one of the most evident ways uh, for people to see how we are growing but also to kind of look in our own lives is by our conduct, how we conduct ourselves in this life. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Philippi these words, Philippians 1, verse 27. It says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and I see you or I am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the, of the gospel. Um, conduct worthy of the gospel is what Paul is saying. And he's encouraging the, the believers in Philippi through his letter. Uh, if you know anything about Philippians, when he writes it, he's actually in jail himself. You know, it wouldn't it be kind of weird having a guy that's sitting in jail telling you how to act? <laughs> kind of think about that. But Paul was in uh, jail, right? He was in jail for all the right reasons. He was in jail for the cause of Christ. Uh, no, no doubt, um, this is an encouragement Paul gives them. This, Paul writes about 30 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So when you think about the time that had gone by, it wasn't really that long from the time that Jesus died and was resurrected to the time that Paul's actually writing this. But he feels the need to encourage people uh, to grow, and that is to watch their conduct, that their conduct be a conduct that is worthy of what Christ has done, worthy of the gospel. Uh, he says that it must be worthy of the gospel. Um, the way in which be believers then conducted their lives mattered. Um, you talk about the early church growing and how fast it grew and how rapid it grew and, 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 and this was a lot because of those that believed had a conduct that was worthy of the gospel. Well, nothing's changed today for us in 2023. In order for the gospel to go out and be effective and to grow and, and to be, uh, you know, have the, the body of Christ grow, um, our conduct has to be worthy of the gospel. Uh, our natural response 
um, as a child of God is what? So when you and I got born again, um, the Spirit of God came inside of us and made us a child of God. It's like signing adoption papers the, the day that you get born again. You become a child of God. And once that day, when you go forward from that day, each of us should be not only a child of God on paper, but also in action and in conduct. And so our response to the gospel should be that we should act like a child of, of God. Uh, notice Paul's challenge to the uh, Philippians was to act worthy of the gospel, even if Paul was not there, even if he's not present with them. He was hoping to get a good word back from uh, where they were in um, Philippi that they were doing what was right. Their conduct was right. Uh, we too need to act worthy of the gospel, right? It doesn't matter if we're at work or at play or school or wherever that is, not to just kind of like sit in our chairs really nice and straight and sing the songs on Sunday morning, right? We're, our conduct should be good every single day of the week, 24-7. So let's talk about a couple, um, just a couple things this morning. Let's talk about worthy conduct and, and kind of touch on that for a moment. Uh, Christianity was never meant to be a one-man show, uh, a, like a, a one-person event. Christianity was always meant to be us, the body of Christ. It was meant to be people together in unity. One spirit, Paul says, and one mind. Um, I like football, so let's kind of use that um, example. In high school, I I played football. I know I look so huge and big, and the first thing they did is sign me up. I know that. But I loved it. It was great. Uh, I met a lot of my friends through that. We did a lot of different things together, but football was a blast. But imagine if the team huddled together uh, before the snap of the ball, and all 11 players are in a, in a huddle, and everybody in the huddle has an idea of what play we should run. And before the time runs out and they got to snap the ball, that they can't decide on what play to run. And so they're kind of indecisive, but anyways, all 11 players get up to the play and they run the play that they think is best. <laughs> Imagine what that play looked like. And then play after play after play after play, they get in the huddle, can't figure it out, but they all go do their own thing. How long do you think the crowd would stay? This is a disaster. What are we doing here? I'm not watching this anymore. But what is interesting, this is kind of Paul's point. Christians, us as the body of Christ, can do the same thing. Play after play after play, we're not all on the same page. We're doing different things. We all believe different stuff. We're not of one spirit. We're not of one mind. So the conduct that I want to talk about this morning is that. How are we conducting ourselves as the body of Christ? Are we all in one spirit and are we all one mind? Unfortunately, when we argue and fight about un 
important topics and unimportant things as Christians, uh, the, the crowd leaves. Just like the fans in the football field would leave if, if there was just a bunch of scattered us, you know? And that happens. And when people look at Christianity, they want to see the body of Christ coming together. Whether they know it or not, they want to see that. And they want to see us together in unity and all moving to the, uh, to the cause of the gospel. But yet, oftentimes, we'd rather argue and uh, kind of bicker over some silly things. Uh, some of the things that uh, we do uh, is worship style. That's one of our, the biggies in the church these days. That, you, know, you know, we got a, a harmonica in the band? Really? That isn't... Gee, there was never a harmonica in the Bible. Come on. And we'll argue and we'll bicker about worship styles, contemporary hymns, things of that nature. I'm all over arguing if Jesus isn't in the music, but really the style. And then when people are looking on, and our conduct, when it gets that way, it just, they don't see the value and they leave. Uh, things like dancing, drinking, the rapture, whether Christians should be on social media or not be on social media, what they should say, what they shouldn't. We get all these arguments, denominationalism, so many different things that we can argue about internally as believers while the world looks on and goes, eh, I don't want nothing to do with that. Why would I want to be part of that? What? What's the sense? I can argue it in my own house. <laughs> Why do I need to go to the house of the Lord and argue? Sadly, many of these arguments are not between uh, us and those who have never heard the gospel. It's not like we're out there, uh, maybe us as believers are arguing with non-believers. But sadly, it's, it's between us, us that have committed our lives to Christ and now he finds us bickering, not of the same spirit and not of the same mind. Uh, Jude, in his letter, makes a similar statement, but he uses the word contend instead of striving. He says, Beloved, while I was very di diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once and all, uh, for all delivered to us, to the saints. Um, Jude reminded his readers that they had something in common. There's a common unity, and that was their salvation. It's like saying to, um, Jude's like saying to his, his hearers, come on, guys, let's focus. And that's what Paul was really trying to get the Philippians to understand and believe, is that let's get focused, guys. We're all on the same page. We have a common salvation, a common gospel. Why can't we be of the same spirit and of the same mind? Um, there's something worth fighting for, isn't there, in our faith? There's something worth contending for uh, as believers. Um, the word contend means to exert intense effort on behalf of something or to have a struggle for or to struggle for something. Um, it carries the idea of a wrestling match. Uh, and the reason we wrestle is because the gospel has enemies. Um, the enemies are not us. We make each other enemies sometimes. But there are real enemies of the gospel. Uh, the gospel has its enemies, Paul says, and so does Jude. Uh, Philippians 1.28 says this. He continues, Paul does, and he says, And not in any way be terrified 
by your adversaries, which is to them proof of their of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. Uh, perdition means destruction, um, and we know what salvation means. But Christians face uh, a common enemy, um, and should be united against the enemy, not fighting against ourselves. And you can see the point here between the two writers, uh, what that should be. Uh, when our conduct is not as Christians, is not one of the Spirit, you know, the same Spirit and the same mind, uh, it's actually an evidence of lack of growth. And that's kind of how this fits into our growth series, is that when we act and we bicker and we fight over things that have nothing to do with how to get to eternity or how to be a follower of Jesus, um, it really shows our, our lack of growth. It really does. Uh, however, when we put aside our differences on the unimportant important things of this, uh, our arguments, it actually is a sign of growth when we're willing to set those things aside and, in a sense, grow up into uh, the Christians that we are meant to be. It's actually the evidence, when you talk about the mark on the doorpost, when uh, we put aside our differences, when we can come together and strive together and conduct ourselves in a way that is worthy of the gospel, it shows that we are growing and that we're growing up. The uh, other part of our conduct is that we're not to be terrified, it says, of our adversaries. Uh, this can be another point of growth. Um, with unity, when we are together, um, anytime you're in unity with a band of people, um, it brings confidence in. And that's the idea of what they're talking about. Why One of the other reasons we need to be in unity is that we gain confidence by each other. When I see Nick in the community uh, telling people about Jesus and I'm on the same page that Nick is and we're, we're all together as a church uh, united in our community and trying to tell people about Jesus, that gives me confidence. And now I go out and I'm not afraid to share the gospel. I am not afraid of the message. So that is conduct that is worthy of the gospel. Uh, it's evidence of our growth. For most of us in the U.S., of course, um, we don't have a whole lot of trouble in the sense of um, persecution in the way that it would cause our death. Um, if you're continuing to read your Bible, it's coming. It's on its way. There is going to be a day when we, all over the world, are going to be challenged for our faith and persecution will be a real, real thing. However, for us, persecution often shows itself in maybe um, not getting invited to lunch uh, one day because they know you love Jesus and you tried to share Jesus with them before. Or maybe there's a coworker that doesn't want to sit with you anymore, uh, you know, or near you at work because, oh, there's that Jesus freak guy. I, I just want to stay away from him. Um, or maybe even like you might not get invited to a birthday party again because the last time you did, you started talking about Jesus. But in the big picture, pretty small potatoes, right? Uh, sharing Jesus, we should be doing that all the time. In other words, our conduct should be worthy. We should not be afraid of our adversaries or people that are offended by the gospel. 
But so many often times, that's kind of like one of the greatest tricks of the enemy, isn't it? We get rejected a little bit because we tried to share and, oh man, my buddy's not going to think that, so I just don't share anymore. And Paul says and that, no, we're not to be afraid of those that are offended by the gospel, that we're to continue to contend and to wrestle for the gospel and for our faith. But yet so many times um, our conduct isn't that. Our conduct shows a lack of growth in this area of the adversary. We uh, kind of shrink, if you would, uh, down. Uh, and granted, I'm not saying that that's an easy thing. That's why it's called contending. That's why it's called wrestling. But um, all you got to do is kind of travel the world a little bit. I've been privileged to be in some places where they kill you uh, for loving Jesus. Uh, spent some time in India a couple of years ago where the police were standing by us with um, machine guns the whole entire time that we were in the public. Why? Because they didn't want us to get a hold of a microphone. They didn't want us to hold, uh, to be sharing Jesus uh, with their people. It's a real deal thing in many parts of the world. But for us, we shouldn't shrink uh, here, especially in the U.S. It's such a simple thing. Uh, I like birthday cake. I like going to birthday parties. But if I don't share Jesus, uh, the Bible says that that blood is on my, my hands. If God has given me somebody to share Jesus with and I don't do it and they don't come to know Jesus, that, that their blood is on my hands. So none of us should be afraid of the opposition. Actually, we should expect it. It's part of it. Paul says in Philippians 1.29, he says, For you, to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Paul says that believers have been granted. Granted means to hand over. In other words, Jesus handed over to us the privilege of salvation, of believing. But with that, also, he says, suffering comes along with it. It's to be expected. It's part of the deal. But so often, we don't want to suffer, do we? I mean, who does? Who who likes suffering? I'd much rather have a lot of fun and go to a campfire and cook some s'mores. I'd much rather do that. But Jesus is tell, Paul is telling us that with our faith, not only do we believe and that we're excited and that's a great thing, but suffering will come along with it. In fact, Jesus says, uh, he told all who followed him to consider themselves blessed when you are persecuted. Matthew 5.11 says this, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Paul warned young Timothy of this very thing. He said, as you begin walking worthy, persecutions will follow. So when was the last time you were cursed for sharing the gospel? And just do that little review in your head. When was the last time somebody said, hey, dude, enough of the Jesus stuff? When was the last time that you got the cold shoulder from a cold uh, co-worker? When was the last time that family members just didn't want you to come over anymore because of Jesus? 
Well, it's a, one of those little ticks on the doorpost. It's one of those things we can measure our faith out with. Uh, believing, Paul tells us, Jesus tells us, it, part of believing is persecution. Um, 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, Yes, in all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So if your conduct is worthy of the gospel and we are, are uh, going to go out in our communities, out in our families and share Jesus, persecution is going to come. It's going to come, they say. So why are we so afraid? Why, what is it? <laughs> Let's just talk together a little bit this morning. Why are we so afraid of persecution? Uh, again, we kind of talked about there's persecution unto death, but then there's also the I don't get invited to the birthday party persecution. So what is it? Uh, nobody looks forward to that, of course. However, it is the evidence that we're doing something right when persecution comes, right? As believers, that's kind of a mark we can look at. But don't confuse the per persecution that you get in this world with being stupid. We do stupid things. We do dumb things and are persecuted for it. The persecution that Jesus talks about, the persecution that Paul talks about, is that of following Christ. Because you are a Christ follower, that's the kind of persecution that's out there that we should be blessed by. Um, persecution from living in a broken world because of our poor decisions, you can't add that one to your persecution list. It's all about sharing Jesus is why we are truly persecuted. That's the one that counts. So if we can measure our growth by our conduct, and conduct worthy of the gospel includes unity when striving for the faith and fearlessly contending for the faith, if that is a way we can measure it, the question this morning is, how do we measure up? How, how do we look with our pencil line. Can we see it? Where is our pencil line on the doorway of our faith? Maybe you're feeling a little short this morning. I know this week because, you know, I prepare for these things uh, all week long and I think through them and I'm never outside of the boundaries of anything I speak about here. I'm just like you. I'm a sit in the, in the, and hear the Word of God all week long from different sources and things. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm held to these same standards. So how are we on the, the doorway of our faith? How, how are we on the measuring line? So Paul doesn't leave us without some words of encouragement for if we are running a little short in our growth. He says in Philippians uh, 2.1, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one of mine. Um, Paul kind of gives us a chance to reset. This word if is not a word of doubt. Um, if you're a student of the Bible, there's sometimes it gets really confusing between 
the original Greek and Hebrew languages and then the conversion of the version of English that you may have if you got old English and, and maybe a modern English, the words change a little bit. But this word if is not like doubt if you have encouragement in Jesus. We have encouragement in Jesus. This word was better translated as saying since we have, and maybe your version says that, since we have these things, then this should happen. So let's go through a couple of these. Since we have encouragement or consolation in Christ, what he's saying, since you've been encouraged, since you have consolation in Christ. And this is speaking to the fact of um, remembering the day that you were rescued. I don't know if you can remember the day that you were rescued from your sin and what that felt like. Uh, was that an encouraging day for you? <laughs> for me? Oh my goodness. Maybe it's because my sin was so great I'm, I'm over-encouraged. I don't know. But when I came to Jesus, it felt like there was a weight thrown off my back. And how encouraging was that? I did not have to carry the burden of my sin any longer. Jesus took it. Anybody else know of any other thing that you can be encouraged in this life by than having the, the penalty of your sin removed off your back? That's what he's talking about. Since you have that kind of encouragement, then, then he talks about, since we have comfort of love. How about this one? Did you, do you remember this day that all of a sudden you realize like the Spirit of God spoke to you and it clicked for you that you have been loved unconditionally by God. No matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, none of that mattered. God loved you no matter what. And he proved that love by sending his son. It was, he demonstrated his love towards us yet while we were sinners. Christ died for us. Can you remember that? You remember that? You know, it kind of makes disunity kind of silly, doesn't it? Salvation and love. Then he says, since we have fellowship or participation of the Spirit, and what he's saying, the same Spirit that is in me the day I trusted Christ is in anyone else that has trusted Christ. That's like a lot of times when we, we get in these arguments, you're like arguing against the same person, <laughs> you know? Why are we arguing when then we have the self-same spirit that is in us? God's spirit is inside of us and should be communicating the same language to each of us. Believers will not argue, will not be in disunity if we're willing to hear the spirit of God because we have the same fellowship of the spirit. And then he says to, since we have affection and mercy or sympathy, some of the translations kind of uh, say. And what he means by that is the sympathy that was shown towards us, the mercy that was shown towards us. Um, without his unmerited favor on our souls, can you imagine what we would be like without God's free gift of salvation, without his mercy? on us, if we had to be perfect before that we could even begin to come 
uh, into his presence in any way. No, he, he gave us mercy, unmerited favor. So he, he kind of puts all these in a basket and for the most part says, remember these things. Remember these things you have. And it's amazing what that'll do. If you can ever find yourself in disunity with a fellow believer, think on these things. Remember these things. And it's amazing how, wait a second, I'm, I'm arguing with a brother in Christ over something really stupid right now. We've both been saved. We both have God's love. We have his mercy and his grace. What are we doing? There's so much of the world out there that needs, that needs Jesus. And we're in here arguing about stupid things. Ephesians 2, 4 says this, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what's all this remembering about? It's a time to reset. It really is, guys. When we're talking about spiritual growth and we're talking about the church, and I'm not just talking about the journey church, I'm talking about the universal church. When we bicker and argue and show disunity, it's not a sign of growth. It's actually a sign of our immaturity. And so we have a chance to reset. Um, Paul also will tell us, he kind of um, reminds us what kind of causes our disunity, when, even as brothers and sisters. Uh, unity has enemies. And he goes through a couple of them in Philippians 2.3. He says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. So the first enemy he talks about there is selfish ambition. That's when you and I desire to be number one or to be right. or At no matter what the cost is for the other person or the other group, we're right. We're going to be there. We're, we're number one. There's no way I could be wrong. That is what selfish ambition is. We, we're selfish in wanting to be number one. Conceit or pride or empty glory, vainglory, I think the King James uses. Uh, that is glory that means nothing. There is no glory outside of God's glory. You and I don't get glory for anything. He gets the glory for everything. But when we try to place ourselves or put ourselves in a place of glory, it is, the Bible calls it empty glory. These are fleshly motives and are not of the Spirit. And both of these are unity killers. So how are these enemies combated? He tells us in that verse, he says, Let nothing, nothing be done through them, but in humility consider others better than ourselves. Uh, Philippians 2.4 goes on to say, let each of you look not out only uh, um, for your own interests or his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Instead of concentrate solely on ourselves, the Bible says that we're to look at the interests of others. Now notice it doesn't say that you're complete to abandon your interests or the things that are good for, for you. It doesn't say that. 
It says don't get so wrapped up into you that you don't look over to your neighbor, your fellow believer, their interests. We are to look out not only for the things of ourselves, but also for the interests of others along the way. So as we kind of wrap it all up uh, today, I'm going to have Dave kind of come up and finish this up, but this whole entire series has been about growing up, and I just picked one of the little things today that was evidence of our growth. Uh, you can go and look at the fruit of the Spirit and see how many of those things you're advancing in. There's so many different ways that you can kind of look at how you're growing up. But I think more than anything today, throughout this series, um, I really wanted to draw attention the urgency of us growing up. This isn't just a matter of you and I being able to, you know, um, maybe spar with Bible verses that we have memorized. It's not about that. It's not about us, remember? That's what the disunity part is. Uh, there's a, a whole entire world out there that needs Jesus Christ. And it's getting worse and it's worse and worse. And it's coming closer and closer to the time of Jesus coming back and, get, and rescuing us for all of eternity. And there's so much more to be done. But yet, sometimes we just kind of get wrapped up in these four walls and thicker. And Why? because we're, we can be conceited, full of vainglory, these different things, selfish ambition. All too often we don't walk worthy, do we? But the challenge through this series is that we need to grow up, not even, not even so much for our own benefit. It's for the benefit of those that are lost. Our disunity, of course, can cause us to... Um, be afraid of the enemy where we don't even want to share anymore. We lose confidence because we don't feel like we're part of the body of Christ. Because we're arguing, bickering, we don't have it right. My prayer is throughout this series you'd be encouraged to grow up in your faith. I hope that through the series also that it's given us something to think about. Uh, how important it is. Maybe through this series you've seen your need for Christ. That would be glorious. Maybe you've never come to Jesus before and asked Him to forgive of your sin. I, maybe this series has caused you to realize that that's something you need to do. And man, we would love to help you as a church to figure that out. That's one of the reasons I uh, like the name of the Journey Church. We're all on a journey. We're all different spots in our our path to Jesus and walk with Him. But if you've never done that before, it's pretty simple. We're going to have a time of prayer. Uh, all you have to do is just admit that. Admit that you've been wandering. Admit that you don't know Him. Admit that you, you have sin and that sin has caused you to be separated from Him. He just really wants you to admit what He already knows. So maybe during our time of prayer today, you could admit that. Be willing to turn from your sin and repent. That's what repent means. Just turn away from that sin and come to Jesus. Then invite Him to come into your life. Allow Him to control your life through the Spirit. And then receive it, that gift. That gift that I know that when I received, I was so excited to get. And if that's you today, you can do that. We can help you uh, do that. Uh, maybe during the prayer time, you just want to come up and I can walk you through that. We can pray together. 
uh, no shame in it. The shame is not coming to Jesus is where the shame is. So if I can help you that. He has a promise. He says in 1 John 1, 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and forgive us of all unrighteousness. So I pray you believe in that promise today. So as we do each week, I'm going to give you a few minutes. Think about the Growing Up series. Maybe there's something that was in past weeks or something that Brian said last week. See your need to grow. Ask God to help you. He will do that. So let's pray. I'll come back and close the gathering. Dear God, I just ask you today that where you spoke to us during this series that you would um, help us. Each of us probably have something we need to grow up a little more in. So we're asking today that you would help us through that, help us grow, help us lean on a fellow believer instead of maybe bickering or arguing or causing disunity. Lord, we're sorry for the things that we have all probably said and done that have caused disunity. We look to you today for forgiveness of that, and we look to you today to heal us. Please, Lord, as a church, locally, but as a church, universal. So as we leave here today, Lord, we're so grateful that you love us, that you don't give up on us, that we can make mistakes and if we're willing to come to you, you do forgive us. So thank you, Lord, for reminding us, for giving us the reset. Um, we're, we so love you, Lord. We'd be lost without you. We thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So don't forget on your way out today, um, we'll have a little handout for you. It's kind of like doing the work for you. I know we've all got friends and relatives and neighbors and stuff that we would like to get to church, but a little handout, it'll say you're invited. And so you take that uh, to them, invite them personally. Get them. Who doesn't like some mores? Now, come on. So get them um, coming to some more night. Maybe we'll love on them a little bit and hopefully maybe they'll see something that is worth uh, following Jesus for. So as you go out this day, enjoy your week. Go uh, campaign for Jesus, eh? God bless you.